afternoon, good evening, and welcome to 11 Pieces of Me, hosted by myself, Harley Thompson, and I, and as always, my partner in crime from across the sea, Gavin Haverty. This may be Gav's last show tonight, as he will be missing in action after Sunday with the Real Barca La Liga showdown. How are you, Gav? The only reason I'll be missing is because I'll be drowning myself in vintage Heineken, celebrating Barcelona, retaining the title. Again, I like your constant optimism, Gav. It's it's a it's a great trait to have. It hasn't let me down. Anyway, uh, as our regular six listeners will know, this is just for a bit of fun. Any new listeners out there, all it is is we have guests come on, talk about their favourite players. It's not always about the best, just someone that meant something to them growing up. They get to pick a formation, pick players to play in the formation, and they must choose a captain. Gav's a stickler for that one. Yeah, real... captain. Uh, no, no, let me Come interrupt on, it. Yeah. Now, no, hold on. Let's be honest. Right? The amount of people we've had on. Look, Frank, I'm going to give it to you now. You have to have a captain. And when you call out that particular player, mention if he's the captain because it's the rules. It's the rules. Nobody's adhered to it yet. I don't know. It's the simplest fucking rule we've implemented, and yet nobody seems to be able to do it. So, look, sorry about that. Go ahead, Ali. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, our only rule is that we must have players that are retired. We did break that slightly last week, um, but we, me and Gav both like one player each, so we let it away. And joining us this evening is the fantastic host of the Serie A sit-down podcast, also on WFI, Frank Cravello. Thanks for joining us, Frank. How's things? Oh, things are great. Uh, you know, can't complain. Uh, uh, as an AC Milan fan, very happy. Uh, there's money. <laughs> the team will be competitive again, hopefully. Uh, you know, Serie A's been... Uh, been a been fantastic throughout the entire season and i think it's only going to get better and at home things are good wife and kids i think are eating right now and uh i'm uh, sitting here doing this 11 pieces of mean I, I will say this i'm used to hosting and i'm kind of shaking right now so forgive me if i step in and try to moderate this thing i don't mean to i know this is your job ali uh, and your job gavin so I'll, I'll do my best to be a guest here guys how are you ali ali gavin with yanka yeah but to be fair, Gav, he's already a better host than we are. So let's let's see how see how this one goes. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll be on my best behavior. I'll be as I, I I will be as educated a Yank as as you guys will probably have. Let's. Uh, I'm pretty confident in that. An educated Yank. The, ba- mm. the bar has been set really high, Frank. So <laughs> you've got a tough act to follow. <laughs> so I hear. <laughs> Frank, I'm yes, sorry. Give us your team, or silly question, because you've mentioned it already, but who do you support? Uh, I support AC Milan. I've, uh, they've been my favorite team now for 30 years. It's pretty much when I started following world football, you know, pretty much since Silvio Berlusconi owned the team. was fascinated with that team in particular, the Dutch trio of Hullet, Van Basten, and Rijkaard, uh, the back four uh, that to me is, you know, the greatest back four to be put together in the history of the game. Uh, I'm biased, of course, uh, with Mauro Tosotti, uh, Franco Baresi, Alessandro Costa Curta, and Paolo Maldini, and just just dominant. And uh, no disrespect, Gav, as a, I know you're a Barcelona fan, that Milan, to me, is is the greatest club team uh, that ever existed in my lifetime. There's no arguments. That's, from a fan's perspective, It's that's open for debate, but that's all it could ever be is a debate. Exactly. Well, Frank, exactly. give us your formation. As a tribute to Arrigo Saki's Milan, I went 4-4-2. I know that there's some 4-3-3 guys and uh, a lot of guys on this uh, pod that went with three forwards. I'm, I- I'm going to stay tr- 
true to uh, you know what made that Milan of that era so successful, and I'm going to uh, bring you guys a four-four-two. Uh, yeah, you can't be happy with that. No, I'm not usually happy with anyone who plays two up front, but as he says, he's basing that on Sachi, who is the master. So I can't argue with Sa- it's Sachi's 4 4 2. Yes. Well, okay. Yes, it is. How's going easier than you, Frank? No, it's it's not. To be fair, Sachi's 4 4 2. Sachi's Milan. I mean, okay, they lined up as a 4 4 2, but they never stuck to that 4 4 2. That was just the starting point. Mm hmm. Yeah, but Gav, you've got a problem with everybody and everything. I know. Yeah, but I've only started. I'm just easing them in. Do you remember the last time we had a yank on and what happened to him when I was hard on him too easy? Val- I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm easing them in. Val- <laughs> Val- Val- give, give us your goalkeeper before before we get him too worked oh, up early. Okay, this is where it was a killer for me because, you know, the, the, um, the rule for, you know, they must be retired players kills me because Gavin would know and – I've banged the drum for Gianluigi Buffon throughout this game. Obviously, has. he's he's still playing, and I wish he would have, you know, done me a favor and maybe and done Real Madrid a favor for that matter. Retired about six hours ago, so I could come on here and insert Gigi Buffon as my goalkeeper, but can't do that, you know. So I, I gave this a lot of thought, and this was probably the toughest position for me to pick. Uh, but I went with the a goalkeeper for Milan that I watched and enjoyed playing uh, in the early to mid '90s. Uh, won the Champions League with them in 1994. Uh, his name is Sebastiano Rossi. And some of this that also tipped me was listening to Aaron Colley's pod last week and saying, you need a mad bastard in goal. Sebastiano Rossi was a mad bastard. Okay, you want proof? In a game that Milan was winning 2-0, they had uh, given away a penalty, and he conceded it. Uh, I can't remember the team name it was that, that they played against. It ended up being 2-1. He gave up the penalty, and he got so pissed off that he grabbed the ball, he just whipped it, it ended up hitting a player from the other team. He gets sent off. He gets a five-game ban. So uh, very passionate about conceding goals. Despite having you know, some of the best defenders in the history of the game playing in front of him, he was still a good goalkeeper, and he still had to stop shots, especially when you look at Capello's Milan that was not set up on keeping the ball, was set up more on the strength of their uh, defensive foundation. You know, he was good at dealing with crosses. He was, uh, you know, good at coming off the line in certain situations. He was... He was actually a presence, and those world-class defenders listened to him back there, too, which is impressive. Um, ability to get down on low shots, although you would never think that with the 95 final on uh, Clybert's goal, but uh, he had that ability as well, too. Uh, so he made it just barely into my pieces of me, and it's only because Buffon hasn't retired yet. Yeah, Rossi. Yeah, the match he's actually referring to was against Perugia. Yes, and the man has won five Serie A titles. He has won the Champions League, Super Cup. He's won basically everything he can. Now, from that early moment of Serie A back in the early 90s, Milan wasn't my team in Italy. I was always Fiorentina, Napoli or Lazio fan. So yep. my recollection of Rossi wouldn't have been memorable, basically due to the fact of the players that were actually around them. I actually assumed you may have went for Dida. But I suppose Rossi's a good choice. Dida was too clumsy for me at times. I, I remember the uh, group stage against Leeds United. Yes, Leeds United was in the Champions League once, uh, for some of you new to the game. Uh, I remember the uh, the howler that he had in that. And, you know, he, he did that more than once. Uh, he, he did that enough that he made you cringe uh, at times when he was back there. But, no, I you know, Dida would have been a good shout, but there were he had his moments that just that scared you i guess 
many goalkeepers do that to you anyway, but uh, Dida in particular scared me back there. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you never picked Dida. I, I just I, I, couldn't, I couldn't have forgiven you for that one, not to start off with. Um, <laughs> but uh, as you say... Why? He was in gold when he won the fucking Champions League. Yeah, when he won it in 2007. Uh, no, 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 no. I was no, referring no, to the 2005 one, you know, the good one. The Ali's a Liverpool spotter. So that's why it was mentioned, Dida, because you said I only won that Champions League because Dida was in goal. Any other keeper, no. No chance. <laughs> we had to talk about 2005. All my recollection about 2005 was the first 45 minutes of those game of that game, and then uh, after that, everything went hazy. <laughs> See, I don't remember the first 45. I, don't remember, <laughs> the, I remember the next 75 plus penalties. I remember 2007. Yeah, no, I remember. <laughs> I remember every minute minutes of that. Of that. <laughs> anyway, right, forget that. Moving on. <laughs> Okay, you want me to go to uh, right back? Look, he's taken off the show already. <laughs> I asked the questions, Frank. T- <laughs> All right, ask me the ask me the question. <laughs> right, let's get your force defender. I'm going to assume it's a right back. Okay. Now, I, I said earlier I talked about the Saki back four, uh, but they're not in my pieces of me. Um, Whoa. You know, and not all of them. No, my right back. I was a much bigger fan of this particular player. Just his his style. It, you know. He basically set the stage for what the modern right-back is. And I'm talking about Marcos Evangelista de Moraes, better known as Cafu. He's my right-back. Very inspired by the way he played. He joined Milan from Roma. Very inspired by his play. He, in a game in 2004, 2004 Champions League round of 16 against Manchester United, they eliminated them. And I believe Sir Alex Ferguson said, after the second leg, he said, Cafu is a man that plays with two hearts. He had that much energy getting up and down, his ability to cross a ball, his ability to uh, defend. And that got lost later on in his career. But uh, captaining Brazil to the 2002 World Cup, I just enjoyed watching him play. And uh, the fact that he spent some time at AC Milan made it that much more rewarding. So Cafu is my right back. Gav, I mean, what more can we say? I mean, we've, we've mentioned every record that he has and the, the consecutive mm-hmm. World Cups, the captain in Brazil, though, the consecutive finals. He's just... He really is up there with, the, if not the greatest, uh, he's, he, he is up there in the conversation of all times, isn't he? Of, of right-backs and everyone that yeah. in the modern game really should aspire to be. Yeah, you had him in your lineup, didn't you? I didn't, no, I I chose Taram. Taram, yeah, that's we've had him a, a few times. So we had um, Zanetti, but when you're talking about all those type of players, they're all of the same ilk. I mean, Cafu... <laughs> What more can you say? It's Cafu, end of story. I usually like to throw out a few stats about different players when they come up. Here's another lovely one. He's won the Copa Libertadores and the Champions League, and there's very, very listen to previous podcasts. There's no point in myself and Ali repeating what we say about the same players, but there's another little um, piece of trivia for him. He's won the Libertadores and the Champions League, so that just adds to the, the legend of the man. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely agree. I mean, there's no, there's no shortage of accomplishments with him. He's won just about everything you can win. Completely, and it, it feels kind of we're doing him a disservice by even skipping over him so quickly. But it, it really is just because we have spoken. I mean, you gave you a, a really good piece about why you've chosen him, and but me and Gav also, well, he's been on a few times as Gav said, and we have kind of rolled out every stat for him. And there's, there, you, there's not enough superlatives in the world. Um, to describe him as a player and from what you hear as a man as well. 
there's only one man on this podcast that I won't run else superlatives, but I'll leave that until we get further up the field. Kevin Gowan. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> right, Frank, give, give us your left back, please. No introduction. I don't need to get into some long, drawn-out thing with left back. I think you guys already know who I'm going to pick. <laughs> Maldini. Paolo Maldini. You got it. Not my captain, though. I'm going to say that right now. Best left back in the world in his, in his day. There hasn't been anyone like him since. You know, I heard you guys talk about Roberto Carlos last week, and he is. He's a one-trick pony. Was was great getting forward, <laughs> crossing, shooting, and that sort of thing. He couldn't defend. He can't defend. I remember the uh, 98 World Cup where he tried to do that clearance where he tried to bicycle it out and it fell right to Laudrup uh, for Denmark. And Denmark said, oh, thank you. I'm, I'm going to score. You know, I haven't seen a left back like him. And I have yet to see a left back like him since he's played. And then the fact that he was able to transition uh, to being a center back later on in his career just showed you his versatility, showed you his strength, and just showed you his attributes as a defender. And what else can you say about a man that won, won five European Cups? Just a pity that he didn't get within Italy that went on and won the World Cup. It's the one thing missing from his resume. Gav, Maldini has just tied Ronaldo in picks for the series. Yeah, we could be broken down into two parts. You had him at left-back, didn't you? No, you had him at centre-back. I had him at centre-back, left-centre-back, and you had him at left-back. Yeah. Again, he's just another player. I think this is the beauty of having an AC Milan fan on who's over the age of 50, where, you know, it's, it's great to have such insight into players. Look what Mark can be said. It's Maldini. It's Paolo Maldini. He, he's, you can't say anything else. It's just Paolo Maldini. He's in the conversation for the greatest player of all time. He, he has to be. He's the greatest defender of all time. Like just overall defender. Um, no, he's not. Let's yeah, not argue. For me, no, he is. he's not. We're not no, arguing, Gareth. It's, it's a matter of opinion, as you stated earlier. For me, he's the well, greatest see, defender I, of all time. And that's, he's that's, in the conversation for greatest player of all time. Right, but I guarantee you. Now we don't know Frank's lineups, but I have a feeling Frank has the greatest defender of all time coming up. <laughs> yeah, you just picked him. No, he didn't. That's why you put him <laughs> on the left. If he really thought he was the greatest defender, he just slapped him in the middle. I'm sorry, Gavin. I didn't pick Carlos Puyol. If that's what you're trying to. No, no, it's Carlos Puyol's overrated anyway. <laughs> but look, uh, yeah. Gavin, I mean, what more can you say about? Can you say about him? The loyalty, the one-man club. Is it loyalty, really? I mean, he's playing for one of the greatest clubs in the world. Yeah, but he, ne- he never went to the Premier League to prove himself. Oh, I mean, what would Paul <laughs> Merson think about him? But see, this is the thing, isn't it? When you have players like Paolo Maldini, it's, he is legendary. And other players who've been before him and will come after him, uh, why, does, why does a player have to leave a club or go elsewhere to prove himself as one of the best? I mean, Alice Ferson said he was one of the greatest defenders of all time. Why? Because he never got dirty. Hmm. Give us your four centre-back. I mean, I'm looking forward to this one. Okay. I'll start with the, uh, I'll start with the captain. And uh, we, we talked about him. Uh, greatest defender to ever play, uh, Franco Baresi. You know, the captain of those uh, Saki uh, Milan teams, late 80s, and then on with Capello into the uh, uh, early to mid-90s. I had this conversation uh, on a radio show here in the United States uh, about... And, and the question was asked when I called in was, you know, did you find Franco Baresi to be a hard man? No, Franco Baresi was a footballer. Okay, he just happened to be an outstanding defender. But he was also, he was also pretty good with the ball. He was a, you know, technically decent. Forget about all the tackles and all the, all the ball winning. I remember my favorite memories of him was the 94 World Cup final when Italy played Brazil. And he's playing on a shredded meniscus 
and is marauding up the pitch, trying to get involved in the attack on a couple of occasions. I mean, the man played with an incredible heart, an incredible passion. Defensively, he had it. Helped Milan keep the ball when they won it. Positioning, just you talk about some of Juventus, Juventus's defenders today, they probably learned from Franco Baresi. An out-and-out leader. What better man to lead uh, a team of such immense talent in that time uh, than Baresi? And he's fit to be my captain, too. Gav, 20 seasons, one club, one everything. Yeah, one of the greatest defenders of all time. Unfortunately, Brazy, when I was getting into Italian football in the 90s, he, yeah, it's fair to say he's come to the end of his career, so he wasn't as prominent as some of the other players. But we, we've had him on the show a few times. Franco Brazy is just, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, all the great Milan defenders um, honour Franco Brazy as being a massive influence on on their playing style, on the way they actually approached football, on, you know, just basically being a gentleman off the pitch, on the pitch. Yep. Franco Baresi was Mr. AC Milan. I personally would be fair to Giuseppe Baresi, but, you know, that's just me. <laughs> he just had he just had a birthday recently, and there was a, a little video tribute. Uh, the rest it. of the defenders and the goalkeeper, Giovanni Galli, Moro Tosotti, Paolo Maldini, and then it was Costa Curta at the end. And Costa Corte just kind of leaned into the camera and said, oh, and thank you for sparing me from the embarrassment all of those times. Yeah. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing what Costa Corte said, but it was it was along those lines. So I thought that was I thought that was kind of amusing, but it was also that's how good he was. He he did his own thing with his individual talents, but he did so well to cover for everybody else, too. Frank, you know, he won the World Cup in 1982. He did. Isn't that insane? And yep. His last Serie A title was in 95-96. His first was in 78-79. Yeah. Now there, there, there's a run. Yep. What do you think of that, Ali? Crazy. It's just mad. I mean, the, the accolades and the honours he's won, as you see, from start to finish over, over such a long span. It's just <laughs> phenomenal. I mean, even at World Cup level, do you know what I mean? Just, uh, just, just a phenomenal player. I mean... There is no more you can say about. It. I mean, every just just have to look up every honour he's won and his record and uh, five hundred and thirty cap, uh, caps. Sorry for one club and uh, as you say, it's it's more of a Milan thing as well. That a lot of their players during that time were that one team club. It was just a, a special club to be a part of. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely fun to watch too. Just all the way around. And like I said. My greatest memories of him was the 94 World Cup when he came back to play the final after he blew out his meniscus against uh, Norway and just raced to recover to reach that final. I think that that's something that got lost with the, uh, the Baggio discussion. You know, it's kind of interesting that it got lost because not only did he play, he marauded forward, I think, two or three times throughout that game to try to help Italy create something in that game to show that heart and to show that passion. You know, I think that just uh, kind of speaks volumes about what kind of player we're talking about here. And greatest defender to ever play, greatest defender I've ever seen play. Go on, what's his nickname? Frank, Mister Milan, and don't be uh, <laughs> <laughs> Little one. <laughs> Come on, you're an Italian it, chief. Italian on. for little one. Piscinin. Uh, he would. He was. He was known as Piscinin. That's what it is. Little one. Due to his skill and success, and then you know people were actually calling him Kaiser Franz because he was. People reminded him so much. Beckenbauer. Oh, somebody's uh, on Wikipedia. No, that is that is well educated. Going back to my history and digging deep into my own archives. 
I promise you that. I well, promise Frank, you that. Give me that next center back. All right, the next center back. And like I said, I did not go with the entire Saki uh, back four. You know, and I've, I've given you Cafu. I've given you Maldini. I've given you uh, Franco Baresi. Uh, I'll give you the other center back that I truly enjoyed playing and truly enjoyed watching play, I should say. Uh, would have been scared to play him. And that's Alessandro Nesta. No, see, uh, Ali, there is the greatest defender of all time. Um, Maldini. No, that's Nesta is. No, I, I disagree with the carried by, by Maldini. I, I'll tell you this. Milan don't win, and they, they made some great acquisitions in the Champions League. They added Rivaldo. Uh, to their team, they had some other additions, but they they don't win that 2003 UEFA Champions League without Alessandro Nesta. Uh, he was the missing piece to that team. Uh, Maldini needed a partner back there, and Nesta was that partner. And for you know, and to reach two more Champions League finals, uh, you know, losing in 05, winning in 07, uh, Alessandro Nesta played a huge part in that. Great defender, put some of the best forwards in the world in his back pocket uh, during his run at Milan. Went on to. You know, you know, he was kind of, if you want to say he was an understudy to Maldini, fine. But then he went on to be the mentor to Thiago Silva, in a way. Great leader, great player, uh, was even impressed with Lazio. Had a great career with Italy, reached the Euro 2000 final, uh, won the World Cup in 2006. Uh, another man who won just about everything there is to win. And, uh, you know, did it with a quality that won just about anything that he could possibly win on the pitch. And kept a lot of quality strikers quiet along the way. No, absolutely. I I had him at centre half in my team as well. So as did Gav. He he was just wonderful to watch. Uh, I mean, Gav, you you put him down as the greatest ever. So take it away. The greatest. Well, he's the great. He to me, he is the greatest defender I ever seen play life. Frank can argue the case, obviously, with Brazil and all that. But it's different to seeing a player in his prime when they're playing life. I just thought. Nesta's tackling there was an art to his tackling it was so precise mm-hmm. elegant the man was just he just when you when you're growing up in a situation where English football is predominantly on the television and you're seeing all these hard well hard inverted commas kind of tough tacklers you had a player like Nesta who was just so precise in his tackling I mean the man only got sent off after he went to the US and he only got sent off because let's be honest Frank he the pain in his his arse for it. He was going, fuck this. These 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 idiots don't deserve my presence. So I'll mm-hmm. give them something to remember me for. And I'll get sent off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? Because every there's a famous football match and where he's up against Messi. And to say he's Messi in his back pocket is an understatement. Mm-hmm. Messi just couldn't deal with him. Nessa just had him. Had him. There was no, if, if there was ever a player you needed, not so much to keep Messi quiet out of luck, but to keep Messi quiet out of pure and utter dominance, it was Nesta. He just had Absolutely. Messi. He knew Messi. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the partnership with Cannavaro in the World Cup in 2006 as well. I think that's, everybody talked about Fabio Cannavaro being the man, you know, in that Italy team. But Alessandro Nesta's efforts in, getting that World Cup win went a little underappreciated. I mean, this is the he, – he's one half of a centre-back pairing that throughout the throughout the World Cup conceded two goals, one of them an own goal, and the other the Zidane Penenka. So it, it, that's not leaving your mark. That's – you know, I don't know what else what else we can say about him. I mean, he's uh, a hard man, 
great defender, great timing on his tackling, as you said, Gavin, and fun to watch. You felt good about Milan's chances when Alessandro Nesta was playing back there. Good looking man as well. If you think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's be honest let's be all fair he's a very good looking man what do you think Ali is he good looking oh he's a handsome bastard he is he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. you've got to respect his offence who's that handsome and, and who can do the business at the same time I get my partner in crime at Syria sit down uh, texting me by the way asking if I'm doing this 11 pieces of me tonight yes Richard I'm doing it and I'm probably picking all of your players <laughs> oh yeah he Richard, you're up next, man. Jeez, you're going to have to. You can't have the same players, I'm afraid, Richard. So <laughs> we didn't even share. We didn't even share who our pieces of me teams were. So, um, so I'm, I have no clue who he's going to have, but uh, I will listen. So um, I'm sure he's going to listen to this, and he's probably going to scratch a lot of things out, and he's going to start all over again. So you're going to have him coming on with guys like Daniele Bonera, uh, but he's still playing though, isn't he? Kaka uh, Kaladze, um, uh, <laughs> Massimo Ambrosini, and guys like that. So hi, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> but look Frank give us give us one of your midfielders you tell us which one it is let's get into the midfield okay and let me okay for me to have this team be successful and these are my these are my favorites at each position on top of it you gotta have the ultimate hard man Gavin probably knows who I'm talking about yeah yeah it has to be Gattuso yep Reno Gattuso yeah. you have to love having a player on the pitch whose job is to blow up what the other team is doing and when you get the ball, find the player closest to you. You're not in there to pick Shevchenko or Inzaghi out from 60 yards away. You're in there to win it. You're in to give it to Pirlo or, or Sadorf or Cafu coming around you. Give it to one of those guys and let them do that work. You just go and win the ball. You just go and do the hard tackle. You let the Trequatista from the other team let him know you're going to be there for 90 minutes and you're not going to like it. That's, that was his role. It was so fun to watch. And he embraced that and just cherished being that guy. You know, he would be the, you know, if, if he was a police officer in my neighborhood, I'd be scared shitless of him. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I'd be the most law-abiding citizen in this town. So just, a, you know, played with, a, played with a mean streak, uh, you know, and that was his role, and he did it to the maximum, and he's another guy that won everything. I like it too, so. Ugly, hard bastard, little rat. <laughs> I, just, I just I can't say anything nice about him. He's a Rangers player. I don't care what he did after that. I just, I just yeah. can't. But look, taking no like nothing away from what he did in the pitch, he was exactly what I said. He was just this little ugly bull terrier, hard little bastard. You know, yeah. he'd done exactly what Frank said. He, he, there was nothing fancy about him. He, he did. You tell him to go and do something, he'll do it. Get the ball back, give it to the football players, and off they went. And it's yep. integral to basically what Milan were back then. When you look at the team they had in that era, Gattuso was like the the main cog to making it all tick. He won the ball back. He gave it to the footballers. But if they lost the ball, they didn't have to worry because Gattuso would get it back again. Take a sender yep. off whenever it was needed. Keep it simple. Break a leg. Break a leg, yeah. I mean, he only <laughs> kept it simple because his ability was limited. But, you yep. know what I mean? It's, it's what, what was needed. I think I think when it comes to Gattuso, Gattuso being a defensive midfielder, for me, you look at Busquets. Busquets is the epitome of the, the technical defensive midfielder. Gattuso is the opposite, but just as effective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love... Yeah, Gattuso was the throwback to like oh. the old-fashioned defensive midfielder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spot on. Spot on, Ali. 
you know, and, and, and Busquets is Busquets is the the modern era defensive midfielder, but it's not really a it's not really a defensive midfielder anymore. It's it's the deep line playmaker. Sa- because he's safe known he's not gonna be gatuzled. Yeah. <laughs> he knows he's not gonna get hurt and he can just play I mean it's the whole Barca formula, you know, the t- t- ticky tackle football and that. And and it starts with biscuits from the back. You know, he he, he was deeper than the centre centre back sometimes because he would drop that deep to get the ball and then like like Sapique just runs forward and plays up front. Yeah, no, Gattuso's a great pick. I love Gattuso. He's just a lot. I just love a little bastard on the pitch. I just think, and he was such a good little bastard because every time he went in with a dirty tackle, the first thing he do when the ref ran over, what did he do to the ref? He'd smile. Yeah. <laughs> if he just didn't wear that blue shirt up here, he'd be fine. Look at the referee. Look at the referee. Look at the referee and say, "Yeah, I got him." Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead and book me. Tilsa's great. I love Gattuso. And to be fair to him, he's um, he's he's an appalling manager, but great. Player. That's okay. You don't make the pieces. You don't make this pieces of mid team for your managerial. Uh, no, skills. you That's... don't. Certainly not. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Give us your next midfielder. Now this is another one where I had to uh, make a last second change because I, you know, it's retired players. So I, this is another one where I wish. Okay, six hours ago, I wish Andrea Pirlo would have said, you know, to hell with this MLS shit. I'm not doing this anymore. I'll just. Start some vineyards here, grow some, you know, grow some grapes, make some wine, and all this other stuff. So, in a couple of years, this will change, and Andrea Pirlo would be in this spot. But for now, I've got to go with uh, a man that I thought was one of the best midfielders I've ever pl- seen play. Spent some time at Milan, won the Champions League with three different clubs, which is incredibly difficult to do. Might not be as hard to do in the future with players changing crazy. Who might it be? Clarence Seedorf. It is. It is. It is the professor. Clarence Seedorf. I mean, he does. He he did. He's one of these players that did everything really well. You know, he didn't. You know, he he wasn't exceptional at any one particular thing, whether it's passing, finishing, that sort of thing. But he did a lot of things really well. His passing, uh, his ability to create, his goal scoring, uh, his ability to you know win balls when needed. He did a lot of different things for Milan. You know, he got later on after Ancelotti left and. Uh, Leonardo came on and Pirlo was hurt. He was asked to handle that Pirlo role a little bit. You know, he did that. And that's another thing about him. He was a great team player. He was, you know, another guy that would accept whatever role you'd give him. He just wants to be on the pitch. Great leader and, and great man. And, uh, was one of my favorite players to watch. Uh, hated him at Ajax because he beat my Milan in 95. But when he came to Milan, I was more than good with it. So, um, but, uh, you know, Clarence Seedorf made my uh, 11 pieces of me. Gav, Seedorf, for you, mentioned a few times. Yeah, I don't like him. Because <laughs> he played for Real Madrid. Yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not one of these, you know, finicky type of fans. I fully respect players that have played play for Real Madrid and who have played for Real Madrid. But Seedorf and that horrible smile of his, just, no, I don't like him. Sorry. Ali. Okay. <laughs> I think he's a wonderful player, and I love that smile. I, I watched him in a charity game just just a few months ago. It feels like, um, I mean, I could be could be completely wrong on the dates, but and he, he still was just steps ahead of everyone. Um, just just a wonderful player, and just his brain for football was just was great. Um, as, as you say, Frank, he was he, he wasn't like spectacular at one thing. He just was that solid. Eight out of ten at everything. 
Yeah. He didn't seem to have many faults. Just nothing you wouldn't, you know, there was no nothing you would label him as a as a specialist at one thing. Just that that overall great midfielder that very rarely did anything wrong. Right, and that's what I liked about him. I mean, he wasn't gonna he wasn't going to lose you a match. He wasn't going to drop you points. You know, when you're going to evaluate a, a, a you know a match in that time when he played for Milan, and, and you looked and you said, all right, Sadov was good. You know, he did his usual. He did his usual job. He he tried to create some things. He played with, uh, he played with energy. He covered a lot of ground. He he read things well. You know, for other reasons, the game didn't go well. It's not where you could look at it. Not where you could look at Clarence Sadov and say it was it was his fault that Milan lost the match. You know, spent a little time as team captain too, uh, which kind of showed you the respect that at least the Milan players had for him uh, and the club had for him. So. And it, pity that he didn't go on to win anything else beyond that. But to win three champion, to win Champions Leagues at three different clubs says something about you. Saying that, you know, you can go somewhere and have an impact. I mean, he was among the kids at Ajax, and then he went to Real Madrid, who you know went and bought everybody, uh, you know, and then came to came to Milan and as a veteran player from Milan, still had a lot to give. Lengthy career, and as I said, did a lot of things really, really well. Never was spectacular at any one thing, like you set out. Yeah, and I mean, if, obviously winning the Champions League with three different teams is, is is a great record to have in a way, but obviously it just means he's moved around, but just just for any player to have won like four Champions Leagues, regardless of where he's won them, that's not to be overshadowed. There's not, there's not you know, hundreds of players out there that have won so many, mm-hmm. um, and especially back in that, I mean, it's, it's a little bit different now, um, obviously Real Madrid and Barcelona kind of had that wee dominance for the spell, um, especially Barcelona's you know little spell. But back then, it was it was a very competitive. Like the top teams around Europe were all very competitive with each other, and and he was still shining wherever he was. So, no, I I, I love that pick. I appreciate it. Yeah, what's up? You're not going to hear yourself there, Ali. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, he's at the we'll next... on Sunday, Gavin. Yep. And I tell you, hopefully he is at the Bernabeu. Do you want to know why I hope he's at the Bernabeu? Because they're playing in Malaga. He can watch the game at the Bernabeu. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll turn on the big. They'll turn on the big screen for him, won't they? Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, the stadium's going to be packed. Yeah, yeah. Watch, watch him cry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting in the middle of this. You don't have to, Chief. It's 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 all Ronaldo hat <laughs> <laughs> All right, next midfielder. Let's take a let's take an AC Milan break. Um, oh, oh, yes, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six. We've had seven Milan players so far. We're actually going to have a break. I'm looking this is the to this. this is the only one that is not a Milan player. As far as you know, players that I've watched, he to me he was a complete pl- a complete player. You know, technique, skill, ability to beat defenders one v one, combativeness, and a temper to him. Unfortunately. But for me, Zinedine Zidane was the non-Milan player that I looked forward to watching play. What else can be said about him? I mean, he single-handedly beat Brazil in that 98 World Cup final. You know, his absence from the French national team with an injury in the 2002 World Cup was, was glaring. 2006, helping him get to the final again. And then, you know, if he had to head anybody, headbutt anybody on that Italy team, he headbutted Matarazzi, and I appreciated it. Um, <laughs> But it was even before that, what he did with Juventus and, 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 and Lippi's Juventus' teams. You just, you sat there and he was one of those players. I looked forward to what he was going to do next, how he was going to beat a defender, how he was going to get out of certain situations. 
um, how he was going to create uh, for the players around him that that 97 uh, team with with Del Piero and with uh, Alan Boxic and creating for them. For me, and, and Diego Maradona's up there too, but as some, somebody that I exclusively watched, he's the best. Um, he just had it all. Ali, Zizel. Look, Frank just said it right at the end. He's the best. I don't know. I don't know why, but loads of videos have been appearing on Twitter recently, and I spent about two hours on YouTube the other night just watching video after video. You know when you get the the little <laughs> next ones after it, and I just kept going and just it's just a joy to watch for me. Him and Ronaldinho were on that just enjoyment level of you just you just enjoy watching them, and and yeah. as Aaron says, he, he had that bit of aggression. He the strength, the size of the man, the technique he had for his size. I mean, that 98 World Cup was what made me love, I wouldn't say football, because obviously I was proper into it by then, but that was that was the World Cup that truly gripped me. Um, and I mean, as we've spoke many times, Gav, everybody was a Brazil van here. I went with France just to be different because everybody else was wankers. And, and Zidane was the man. And he, as, as Frank said, that I mean, that final, I mean... Anybody who's not a Brazil fan or didn't like Brazil back then, I mean, they, they loved it and they, they just Zidane murdered them, and he and he was just that step above. And I mean that that Perenka against Buffon in a World Cup final. I mean, what player's got the balls to do that against the greatest goalkeeper? Like I mean, we all admit if Buffon's retired, I mean, how many times has Buffon been picked for this eleven pieces of me? Every time. Yeah, and I mean, as as Gav knows, I'm a I'm a semi-Real Madrid fan. I mean, I, I don't... Obviously, I'm a Liverpool fan, but Real Madrid have always been my phone team. But even even me, I don't mind seeing Madrid lose to a Buffon. I mean, that's the the, the the standard we have for him. And just for Zidane to do that to him in such an important game so early on is just... that For me, that just epitomises what Zidane was. It was funny for me because Galliani at the time, went to Bordeaux uh, to recruit... Christophe Dugary and Zidane was on that same team and he went to Juventus and I'm watching and Dugary barely even put a scratch into the Milan teams uh, when he was there and I'm watching this Zidane so part of me was marveling at what he did but the other part of me was like Galliani how did you let this guy go how are you at Bordeaux and not figuring out how to sign this guy <laughs> so he could have been a Milan player if Galliani knew what he was doing in that particular instant. You can't argue with his track record overall, but you know he, he, he ended up buying Dugary, who didn't amount to much, and then Zidane goes on to be, I think, in, in, in conversations as far as the greatest to ever play the game, he's easily in the top, top four or five. Well, he's up there, and it's nice to hear you talk about Zidane as being your non-Milan player, because obviously you're referring to his time at Juventus, which to me was just, you were watching a player that wasn't so much in mainstream TV as he was after the 98 World Cup where he became a superstar. But before that, he was you could see he was he was special. He really, really was a special, special player at Juventus. And as to come back to what Ali was saying, recently, because I think with the Champions League final coming up, we've seen an awful lot of videos. And one very famous video is um, Zidane's goal against Leverkusen at Hampton yeah. in 2001, mm-hmm. which, let's be fair, it's a fucking extraordinary goal. It but is. People, an awful lot of young people won't realise that before Real Madrid, Zidane played for Juventus. And what Real Madrid got 
in that fourth season, in my opinion, was peak Zidane. That one season at Real Madrid, his fourth season was peak Zidane. I'm not saying he dropped, but he, he wasn't Juventus Zidane. He wasn't that first Real Madrid season Zidane. Afterwards, he did slow down. He wasn't as impactful from a club's playing for a club as he was for, we say, France. But I think that goal basically typified Zidane, his genius, everything about him on club level. After that, people will always assume Zidane is a Real Madrid legend. For me, he's a Juventus legend first, Real Madrid second. And then yes. overall, he's just, he's just a French god. And if Real Madrid didn't have the money and, and didn't have the power, he probably would have been at Juventus for a much, much longer mm-hmm. spell. So. Like, what are you talking about? In today's price, what, 100 million euro was dropped to bring him from Juventus to Real Madrid at a time where, okay, massive transfers were taking place, but I think it was £70 million, something, something that really, I'm not, not sure, I'm not 100% certain, I'll do a quick check here. Yeah, £77 million euro back then, yeah. 15 years ago, that has to be with inflation, hitting on the 100 million mark now. Was he worth 100 million? Yes. Absolutely. Did he, up, did he live up to the 100 million at Madrid? I don't think so. That can be said. I think that part of that is Real Madrid, a collection of world superstars yeah. are trying to make it work, and they just... Yeah, unbalanced. They did, yeah, they did, it wasn't balanced, and it, and it didn't work. No, so. they should have built the team around Zidane, not, not just built a team. Like spending yeah. that money, they should have then built a team around Zidane to to enhance his attributes rather than just buying superstars. But we know that's what Real Madrid do. So just, just on Zidane, and Gav, I'm fascinated by your input as well. I mean, there's a lot of talk about him as a manager just now. Is yeah. He, is he a top manager or what What are we saying here? Right. We, we're going to do a podcast in the next week or so surrounding Zidane. Let's look at last season. He, he wins the Champions League in his fourth season. Okay, you can make the argument that he was lucky. It's Real Madrid. They'll always have a chance. Fair enough. That's a, that's, that's a good argument to have. Now, let's look at Zidane. Real Madrid are one game away from being the first team in the modern era to retain the Champions League. Milan was the last team to win the European Cup back-to-back. But let's not forget, who was managing Milan at the time? Sachi. Saki, yep. And not only have Real Madrid the chance to match Milan's achievements, Zidane has the opportunity to match Saki's achievements. Now, you can say, oh, it's all luck. We've, on the La Liga pod, we've analysed it as best we can. We tried to give an unbiased opinion. This Real Madrid is not Saki's AC Milan. It's not Pep's Barcelona. It's not aesthetically pleasing to watch, but it's goddamn dominant effective and at times unbeatable mm-hmm. so do I think Zidane is a good manager Zidane obviously is a good manager but he's one game away from becoming a legendary manager even though skeptics may state that you know oh, he doesn't deserve it history will say he does Frank what about you as far as Zidane I I think he's proven himself it says a lot to be able to step into a, a dressing room like that at Real Madrid and to be able to rein in. We're talking about professional footballers that are making a lot of money. We're talking about egos. There's always this stigma that 
just because you were an excellent player doesn't mean it's going to make you an excellent coach. But I think what Zidane uses to his advantage at times here is that he's been in that shirt and he has been on those stages. So he knows what to expect and he knows what to demand. Uh, and he knows what he has at his disposal and who can do what. And he's just sticking with that. He's not trying to sensationalize anything. He's not trying to create anything that's just like jaw dropping, but it's effective. What he does is effective. Substitutions that he makes and halftime adjustments that he makes are effective. I mean, he he doesn't overcomplicate things in his position. He knows what he has at his disposal and he allows it to work. Frank, would you not would you not agree that when you have a player, you've just mentioned ex-players become a manager's very few ex-world-class players do become managers. Do you not feel that with a player like Zidane, an ex-player like Zidane, walking into that dressing room, it doesn't matter who you are, you may have Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the greatest goal scorers of all time, but to me, Cristiano Ronaldo ain't as good a player as Zidane. And when you have an ex-player like Zidane now managing, you have got to look up to this man and listen to what he's telling you because you may have an ego but your ego just ain't big enough to match Zidane's legendary status. Here's what I think it is with ex-greats, Gavin, and this this can translate to just about any sport. In Zidane's case, he has a passion for it and he wants to be there where in a lot of these ex-greats, I'll use NBA basketball here in the United States, Magic Johnson, great basketball player, coached the Lakers for a little while, and it was a disaster, probably because he expected everybody to be like him. It could also be, hey, I've got a lot of money. I've made my career out of this already. This is just something to just show up and collect a paycheck. Who knows what the personality is behind why X-Grades fail. But to me, Zidane has a passion for the game. He respects the game. He demands that it's played at a high level. So to your point, yeah, there's Ronaldo has no choice but to get in line and be inspired by that and be able to follow that. Mm -hmm. And Ali, to come back to his Real Madrid coaching so far, his win, 4%. (laughs) In 85 games, he's only lost seven games since he's taken over Real Madrid. That is insane. Uh, No, absolutely. For for me, it was kind of along what you said at the start, Gav. I mean, last season, you could put it down to luck. I, I didn't, but I still had my niggling doubts whether it was the the boost that somebody like Zidane can give players. Mm-hmm. But I think this season, I think he's, he's just kind of squashed all those doubts and all those little niggles, especially in Madrid fans, I think, and, and and a lot around Europe, that he is the real deal. And I mean, as you say, what a, what a record to have, what an accomplishment to have. Um, if obviously his last two games go the way that, that he expects anyway and and yeah, he's fans. got. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's going to be crying something. And 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 let's be <laughs> fair, he, he, it was a no-win situation for him. I mean, he's got he's got everything to gain, but he's got a lot to lose because his reputation as a player is so high. That, I mean, mm-hmm. how many how many top players do we now kind of look down on? Sometimes who, have but, went, who we we shouldn't, but we do. Who have went into management and and failed gloriously? Some of them. It's only critics. Critics are journalists. They're not ex-players. Yeah, but even still, just in general, how many players will look at like, oh, well, he's shite just because he could, just because he play, he thinks he can manage as well, and and that would get spouted around. A load of crap right, it would be. I mean, not well, everyone's cut out to be a manager, but at least he had the balls to try it, regardless. For him, it's worked well, out well. 
But we line over the factors. Zidane face to face is quite um not a shy guy, but he's very uh, timid. Comes across quite timid. Sounds ridiculous. But we all know that Zidane's a fucking lunatic when he wants to be. So you can imagine him, you know, being nice and quiet and then all of a sudden having some player getting into his face, moaning about him, and then Zidane just doing a matarazzi on him going, You're not starting, Chief. He's definitely <laughs> smashed somebody in that changing room this season. Fucking right, he has. I mean, the many, many times you've seen the Real Madrid player come out with a black eye. Oh, training, cost of was. Somebody got smashed after the last uh, Real Barca game. You know, with that late winner. Somebody definitely got leathered after the game. Ah, yeah. What score yeah. was that? But anyway, so Frank, <laughs> who's, your, who's your last midfielder? All right, my last midfielder, we're going to come back to Milan. I don't think Gavin's going to like this. Oh, don't if, say David fucking Beckham. Nope, nope. Oh, sorry. Nope, <laughs> nope. I'm American, but I'm not. I like David Beckham American. Okay. <laughs> um, if this man played for a major international team, people would know him a lot better. The left side of Barcelona's defense from 1994 still have nightmares about him. And for me, when I watched him play, and I was young at that time, you know, 18, 19 years old, I, I gasped at some of the things that he did. You know, the Montenegrin, Montenegrin maestro, uh, Ilginio, Dejan Zavicevic. Oh, what a player. What an absolute what a, fucking what a legend. Player. Yeah. Um, the goal, no disrespect, Gavin. Not um, <laughs> Just, But prior to that, the, the, the build-up to the first goal, and I can't remember the Barcelona defender that fell, but the just getting around him and then creating it from creating it for, uh, uh, for Masato, whether it was a shot or a cross, you know, he can tell you whether he intended to try to score there or if he tried to, t- to to cross it over to Masato. There were times where he just lifted Milan. There wasn't a whole lot. He played with a Milan that the Dutch trio was gone. Van Basten was a shell of his former self, couldn't even get on the pitch. Rijkaard was already gone. Hullet tried to come back, and it didn't work. There wasn't a lot of creativity in the Milan teams that he played with, and it was Capello's Milan, very rigid. He was the one creative source, and was he ever creative? Some of my favorites, the semifinal in 95 against PSG, uh, first and second leg, the goal, you know, the goal at the Parc de Prince, he set that up, made the run, got forward with it, and had a very narrow gap between defenders to be able to find Boban for that goal, but found it. Um, the control that he showed on the opening goal in the second leg uh, and then finishing it off, I mean, these are the things that I remember about him, but it's just scratching the surface with them. Just incredibly creative capable of scoring goals, capable of creating goals. And I'm convinced that if he was fit for that 95 final, Milan would have had a back-to-back Champions League uh, mm-hmm. again. They would have beaten Ajax. Ali Savicevic. I don't really recall much of him, to be honest. I'm sure he was on before, if not, we spoke about him previous. Because um, I remember talking about that Barcelona goal, well, the goal against Barcelona. But no, for me, I really can't remember much of him. Um, I mean, look at his accolades, he's won loads um, but Gav I'll let you take this one yeah Savicevic for me is again what ha- having the privilege of seeing him play during the early 90s for that Milan side he was you know he was a special special player he what could he the flair that's all he was he was just this flair player memorable legendary Yugoslavian he won the European Cup with Red Star Belgrade. People don't actually realise this, that he's actually a double winning European Cup. Winner. Yeah, he won at Red Star. Mm-hmm. Red Star Belgrade, yeah. It just, Savicevic is one of the, the, those players that 
all you can say, it's hard to kind of describe the type of player he was. The best thing anyone who's interested in a player like that is to YouTube. Because, trust me, there's videos on him. Plenty of videos on him. You know, it's a bastard of a name to spell. But if you play around with the words, it'll pop up. <laughs> but yes, yeah, Savicevic is probably one of the more interesting picks we've had on any of the pods so far. Because he's an unheralded, I don't want to call him a genius, but he's an unheralded whiz. I think it'd be a fair a fair statement to make. And again, it goes with the fact that uh, he was Montenegrin. Uh, you know, back then played for Yugoslavia for a little bit. When that country broke up, there was, you know, Montenegro didn't get established, you know, as a footballing nation. And I think Yugoslavia was actually banned from mm-hmm. competing for the 94 World Cup. So there was a lot of that going on in those times. Uh, so, you know, it was a pity that he didn't get more of a world stage than he probably deserved when we we're talking about all of these players. But uh, uh, someone that I had a lot of fun watching when he played and when he was at his best. As you said, one of the most his most famous goals ever is that goal against Barcelona in the '94 Champions League. It was just, I think, audacious is too soft a word. It was just spectacular. Yeah, definitely. Well, Frank, give us your first forward. All right, we're going to go with two forwards, and uh, the first one didn't have much of a career at Milan. You know, when I got into world football, I told you it's Saki's Milan, also Italy, being an Italian, and uh, how can I not have Roberto Baggio on this team? The Sneak, sneaky. Sneaky to you. Okay. Um, Il Divino made his mark, obviously, with that great goal against Czechoslovakia in the 1990 World Cup. You know, but my, my favorite memories of him have clearly, I've forgiven him for the penalty in the 94 final uh, because he put a country on his back. He put a team on his back from the second round onto that final uh, to get him there and, you know, tried to play the final on a blown hamstring. Um, it, was the po- it was the ponytail, Frank. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. I think it it, it, it it kept him from being able to properly execute a penalty-taking technique. He's leaning back because the ponytail's dragging him back. It's that California wind uh, at the Rose Bowl. Um, who knows? But are we, um, are, are we cheating here, Frank? Are we are we cheating here today? Are we I putting think... are, are we putting Milan Baggio? Are we sneaking in Juventus Juventus Baggio under the Milan badge? No, this is this is Juventus Baggio all the way. Ah, this is Italy Baggio all the way because his Milan his, his Milan Baggio was you know it was uh, underwhelming. You know there was a there was a glimpse or two. I mean he teamed up with George Weah and they won a Scudetto together. Uh, but then after that it 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 went wayward. You know Arrigo Sacchi uh, came on board and took over as manager. And I know that uh, Baggio was actually publicly horrified at that prospect because it was going to mean less of him in the team. Uh, so he had to move on, but. But when he was when he was at his best, he, he was as good as anybody. European Player of the Year in 1993, played again in the 98 World Cup and had some glimpses and helped. And there was a lot of controversy with that Italy team because Maldini wanted Cesare Maldini was a manager and he wanted to figure out how to fit in Del Piero. But then you have Baggio, who the fans wanted, and they both played the same position in in that formation. You couldn't have them both out there. In, in modern football, you could figure out how to get both of those guys out there in a lineup. I would. Uh, but in the system that Italy played in the 90s, especially under Cesare Maldini, there was only room for one of those one of those players. He, like I said, some of the things that he did for Italy, and I think his, his making the pieces of me is for what he did for Italy, um, certainly not what he did for Milan, and then what he did for Juventus as well. What can you say about a guy that, you know, goes from when he transferred to Juventus from Fiorentina that it led to residents of Fiorentina taking to the streets and, and rioting and demonstrating because they're 
the best player Fiorentina has arguably ever seen uh, has left. So. Oh, hell, hell, blasphemy. Blasphemy. Yeah. Why? Someone bet Batis, someone. Batistuta. I, okay, I rate Batistuta. I rate uh, Batistuta. Okay, but come on. We're, this, this is Baggio. This is. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to fall out here, Chief, even over. Not even with Baggio. We're going to fall out, but I'm going to let Ali take this before me and you fall out. I'll be back. <laughs> My my favourite moment, Frank's least favourite moment, um, the penalty in '94. Uh, I found it hilarious. Just, I, I don't yeah. know. I just I couldn't take Tobaggio. Like, as good a player as he was, you know, he's just those players that you don't like. And and Baggio was was one of them for me. Wonderfully talented. No no dispute in it. I didn't even know that he played for Milan um, until you had said. It shows how much I paid attention to him. It's mainly the, the, the Italian Baggio that I've seen, really. And probably that's probably the one that he probably wants to be remembered by, minus the minus the penalty, I guess. But I'm going to pass over to Gav because this might get a little bit heated. So I'll mute out and just sit back with my cup of tea here. Roberto Baggio. Hmm. Frank, you really, really, really rate him, do you? He was one of my favorite players to watch when I was younger. Again, another one of these, you know, non-Milan. Uh, it could, you know, it could be very easy for me to say someone like Marco van Basten, who I also highly rated. There's a lot of forwards that I loved watching through the years. But when I had to think about it, who were my favorites? Who did I sit down and look forward to look forward to watching? And in a time when, you know, we said this before we recorded, you know, here in the states. You know, we got European Cup finals on pay-per-view. You know, we got games pre-recorded. You know, we didn't get we didn't get access to a whole lot. So we got to watch World Cup games live. Um, so you look forward to those World Cup games and you look forward to watching. Uh, I look forward to watching Roberto Baggio. And there was a time where, you know, group stage in particular, USA 94, I was very disappointed. But then with the way he played and you know, the goals against Nigeria uh, to come in at the right time. Right place at the right time against Spain, and then beating Bulgaria in that semifinal, and essentially his goals carrying Italy to that final. That tournament's a disaster. Ends up being a disaster without him. Although the the route that he took to get him to that final would not have been the route you expected. You would have expected one of the best players at that time, and certainly the best player in Italy, to carry that team to the final and to dominate every game. And he didn't do that, but he he showed up at the right times for Italy, and then he showed his class, you know, for Juventus and. Yeah, I mean, Italian football fans and Italians in, in general adore him. And, uh, you know, for me, he's he, he he came before, you know, Del Piero, Jovinko, and some of these other creative men that play, you know, in the position that he played in. You know, the Italian the Italian number 10, if you will. But, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I, I, will, I will cool my best player Fiorentina ever had, Tato, because Battistuta no. was damn good. Uh, yeah, Battistuta was better. There was also another player, in my opinion, around that time, that was better. Much more underappreciated than Baggio. I missed out on the 1994 World Cup for some strange reason. If he had been playing, he would have scored that goal. Who am I talking about? Oh, for Fiorentina. Oh, no, not for Fiorentina. Much better player than Baggio. Won the Capocannoniere. Say it for me, Frank. The Capocannoniere. Capocannoniere. Yeah, one of four times. Much better player than Baggio. Mm, Who am I talking about? Jeez. um... Lazio. Lazio, okay. Bologna. Lazio, Bologna. Giuseppe yeah. Signori. Giuseppe yeah. Signori. He should be ahead of Baggio all day long. Pace like crazy. No. Not a finish. 
just admit but, it, Frank. You, you, you messed up at Baggio. Should have been Signori. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to stick to my Baggio stood out for me more. I think it's a lot of it maybe had to do because uh, Italy tried to force him in there in 94. But no, Signori didn't. I, I, I agree with you. It should have been Signori and not Masato partnering him uh, in that final. Uh, a lot of Italians will agree with you on that. A lot of um, people will agree that Baggio, you know, good-looking lad, one of the best Italian players of all time. But for me, I never liked Baggio because he overtook Signori in the popularity stakes. So I don't like Baggio. Okay. I, I apologize, Frank. I know you're probably hurt, but for me, Giuseppe Signori was better than Baggio. I'd, oh, that's that, that that that's fair to say. You know, that that is... That is fair to say. I just my my favorites and, and Baggio was a favorite of mine. I thought Signori was very good, you know. But when I looked at this and big picture overall favorites, who are players that that stood out to me, that did things that made me cheer, that made me get up, and Signori did those things. But you know, Baggio did a little bit more uh, to earn my to earn the to earn the spot on, my, on the pieces of me. See, I know the next player is a Milan player, so I can do this. So I can argue with you. I can argue with you because I know the next player is a Milan player. Yeah, he is. <laughs> yes, he is. Well, go on, uh, give, it, give, give it to us. Okay. Well, real quick, before he joined Milan, I watched him play in the Champions League, and I said he would fit Milan to a T. And uh, sure enough, they got him. Andrei Shevchenko, Ukrainian striker, just a terrific goal scoring rate. I mean, what do you say? Eight seasons in Milan, 226 appearances, 127 goals. He was onside in that final in 2003. Uh, that goal was wrongly disallowed. But, you know, Milan still won it on penalties anyway. Lethal finisher, movement, you know, ability to get behind defenders, ability to get into the right spots, uh, you know, to finish. Just very instinctive. Maybe a lot of that came from, you know, playing for a Dinamo Kiev that was just built on on work and defending and counterattacking that he was able to be able, he was able to, to build those instincts. Give me him as a guy that can score goals. Uh you know, for this team. I know that uh, Ronaldo's been very popular on this Pieces of Me podcast, and I have the greatest respect in the world for him. But, uh, you know, we're talking about my favorite 11. And uh, for me, Andrei Shevchenko uh, is easily in this team. Ali, he puts Baggio with me in his peak, the, the most lethal striker in world football. Shevchenko's a great pick, and the first person to have him. He, mm-hmm. He's just... He was phenomenal. He just... He was one of my favourite strikers to watch. Can't take a pen though, can he? <laughs> no, or, or, or open goals in extra time. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think Jersey Dudek broke him. Um, oh, killed him. Because he, he, he was nothing after that. I was, I was distraught that he was going to Chelsea. It's like, it, it was good because we get to see him you know, regularly playing in England. And I was like, but he's playing for them. And then when he went there, I was like, nah, what's all the fuss about? But yeah, phenomenal. They- just the, even the, the Dynamo Zagreb days, you mentioned it, Frank, just obviously the way they set up, it just made them like one of the most complete strikers in Europe, certainly of our time. There's there's not many strikers you'd have chosen over them in the last 20 years, say, to play in that play in that striker role that, that he did. I just thought he was phenomenal. I, I loved Shevchenko. And had it not been for the Chelsea role, he, he, he would have been in com- contention for my... Favorite eleven, but the minute he went to them, he couldn't be. He just couldn't be picked. He just couldn't. I can. I can appreciate that. <laughs> Anyone else? Well, maybe not United. Anyone else? But those two, you know, he'd he'd have been in there. But but taking away nothing from them, just I mean, I, I don't mean to harp on about two thousand and five, 
Like, that, that, <laughs> no, but seriously, that header and then the, the, the follow-up. Shevchenko yeah, this scores doesn't, that 99 this doesn't, out of 100. Ali, this doesn't resonate with me. I don't remember don't, anything. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll send it, you, Milan, I'll Milan, send Milan, you Milan a video won, after Milan, this. Milan have won eight European Cups. Yeah. Seven. <laughs> that game got cut. That game got shortened <laughs> after 45 minutes because it was such a beating. I'll send you a video, okay? <laughs> Just that Liverpool, Liverpool, I, the, the way we got it here in the states, that Liverpool didn't want to come out in the second half. It's okay. Well, I, I've got I've got a video here. It's about four minutes long. You'll appreciate. It. There's some really nice music in the background. Really soothing. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll send, send it along to you. Titanic uh, music. Yeah, it's. <laughs> but no, Gavin, I'm not. Gavin, I'm not getting out of this, am I? You can nah, imagine. Nah. You can imagine as an opposition fan when that cross comes in an extra time after just fighting back. And you see the balls go straight to Shevchenko. I mean, it's game I, over. I remember that's, it. That's it. I remember it. It, it really I've... is. And you'd have put your anything. You'd have bet your your world on Shevchenko scoring it. That's just the kind of player he was. So forget in two thousand and five because that that was the end of him. But any time previous to that, from when he played, you would have put put it on him. He was just that player. He didn't need five chances to score that one goal. He was the sort no. of player that really only needed that one chance, and and that's what made him. As Gav said, he, he was he was lethal, and he's he scored scary. he scored he scored for me one of the best goals I've ever seen, and his goal is slightly resembled Savicevic's goal against Barcelona. It was the goal he scored against Juventus, where he beat a couple of players, and as he's turning away. From the ball, he just hits it and it just f- floats into the top corner. Yeah, one of the greatest goals I've ever seen. Because if you actually watch the way he hits the ball, it's just it's just perfect. Mm-hmm. And for me, Shevchenko is just you know people talk about it, it just didn't walk at Chelsea. I mean, Ali's there, of course. Ali's on a 2005 orgasm, but yeah, nope. hard to argue. He'd be up there in any conversation, no doubt. Well, Frank, have you any honourable mentions? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I mean, we can. Non AC Milan honorable mentions. In fact, I can. In fact, I can. Alessandro Del Piero yep. was a uh, was 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 somebody I was thinking about, but uh, you know, in the end, uh, rated rated preferred Baggio. Fabio Cannavaro, yeah, you know, was another one that uh, I was considering. Uh, Didier Deschamps was another one that I was considering. Nice uh, pick. Yeah. So. You know, there were there were plenty of non-Milan guys that I was looking at. And, uh, you know, goalkeeper was actually the one where I was wrestling with the most because, you know, just as you guys say, everybody would just slam dunk, have uh, Buffon as their goalkeeper if, if, if it was allowed. So, you know, I went with Sebastiano Rossi. This is going to make you guys laugh, but as an American, I've got to represent an American. And I considered putting Brad Friedel in goal. Uh, <laughs> I told you it would make you laugh. It may have been the quickest pod ever. <laughs> it may have just ended after the goalkeeper. I considered it for his longevity, being able to be, you know, an American goalkeeper to play in the Premier League. And I know he bounced around from club to club. He was the goalkeeper for the U.S. national team that reached the quarterfinal in 2002. A team that played well enough to beat Germany in that game, but just didn't. Uh, one one set piece by Germany, and it was over. You know, it it, it, it it's laughable, but I had some. You know, I had some reasons, but uh, my better judgment uh, suggested no. Sebastiano Rossi is my my goalkeeper. He, I I like watching him play long before I watched Friedel play. You know, so and then uh, I'll, another and 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 Ali, I'll I'll play this. To, I'll I'll cater to you here. I Steven Gerrard was one of my favorite Premier League players to watch in the two thousands. 
Um, oh, for fuck's sakes. I'm, hey, hey. I'm with you on this. Oh, <laughs> yes, in your face. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, not a, I'm just not a Gerard. It's like the, you know, the, know. the messy he's, fanboys, Gav, that's yeah. I've got the Gerard ones and it just makes me sick. Yeah. I know he slipped, and and, and you're not going to forgive him it's for it. It's not even that. I think. It, do you know what? It's not his own fault. In fairness to Gerard, <laughs> I just felt he played on longer than he should have. And yeah. And for me, every season he went on, I ended up like disliking him, and not disliking. That's probably the wrong word, but just getting more and more annoyed that yeah. that he shouldn't be there. He shouldn't have been so integral, you know, because his legs had gone, and we didn't do enough <laughs> to build a team around him. But should we have maybe by then? I think Liverpool is a club that we're, we're too loyal to certain players, and sure. whether, whether people say Gerard deserved it or not, everybody needs to forget that if we never won the Champions League in two thousand and five, he was off to Chelsea. So, mm-hmm. a couple, a couple more quick ones. Edgar Davids, I was giving some serious consideration to as well. Loved his, uh, you know, another one of those just just played with such energy. And then you know, Ronaldo. You know, yeah. Let's let's talk about Ronaldo. Anyway, Ronaldo. He's not retired yet. We can't have him in. Oh, no, the fat, the fat one. The fat one. <laughs> oh, hell fucking... Gav, Gav, are you going to <laughs> This is how Seriously. this is. This is Seriously. how I talk when I when Seriously. I when I talk when I talk football to people. One. I'm sorry. This is this is when I talk to people. No. That's how I have to distinguish them because everybody else knows. Everybody else knows the glamour boy that's playing now. Hold on a so, second, Frank. Hold up a second. No, 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 the greatest footballer to ever grace a football pitch. All right. I apologize for using those words, but I promise you those are not my words. Those no, are that's just... fine. That's fine. <laughs> I know. I, okay. Ronaldo, Ronaldo. How's that? You know, that's fine. That's like calling... <laughs> you know, he, that's like calling... That's like being blasphemous towards Muhammad or something. You don't do that. Don't one, do that actually, one that actually won a World Cup. <laughs> Three World Cups. Three, yeah. <sighs> Was it three? Yeah, it was three. He was on the ninety four team. I don't even want um, to talk this Ali, I don't talk this man anymore. I profusely I, I apologize. Let, let, let's stop <laughs> on the Ronaldo chat. It's like Gav's love child. I won't hear a bad word <laughs> although even not being his fan, even I find that a bit a bit disrespectful. Blasphemous. Yeah, Blasphemous. Gav read read back again, to, again. read back Frank's team for us before before you can Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure, no problem. We had goalkeeper Rossi, AC Milan, left back Maldini, AC Milan. I'm not sure we need right. to use Gav, sorry. No, no, no I just want to, you know, just, no, no, we'd, uh, just to get back at Frank, uh, right back Cafu, Roma. We had defensive centre back Nesta, Lazio. We'd Brazy, AC Milan. We Savicevic, Red Star Belgrade. Catuso, Rangers. Sador, <laughs> Real Madrid. Sedan, Real Madrid, Baggio, Brescia. We had Shevchenko, Chelsea. What a team, Frank. What a team. Oh, you know Gal's pissed when he mentioned Real Madrid twice. <laughs> now, in fairness, Frank, thanks for coming on. I actually enjoyed that. It was, um, it was nice to hear some players from a certain era to a certain team that 
you know, they they cemented themselves as arguably some of the greatest footballers that have ever played the game. From a generational point of view, there's no denying the talent that was involved. I loved Savicevic. That's I thought. I think that was that's been the pick for me for a while. Gattuso, so obviously. Shevchenko for me was the pick. Yeah, um, Shevchenko was the obvious pick as well. Without the obvious ones that have been mentioned before, Shevchenko because it was new, like Savicevic for you, Gav. Shevchenko was was a great pick, and I'm very surprised that again, not so much Savicevic for me because I don't know, I've never obviously seen much of him, but for others, but Shevchenko for not being picked prior was quite a surprise to me, um, especially with the, the age that we've actually had on, Gav. I know, but Ali, do you know the Liverpool fans we've had on? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if you could get guests to come on and they wouldn't abandon you, we don't have to bring Liverpool fans on. Well, as I said. Cheers for coming on, Frank. Richard, you're up next. Yep. Yeah, Frank, yep. It's, it's been a pleasure. Do you want to let our six listeners know where they can find you and what you're doing this week? Five um, listeners. After Ronaldo has refused to listen anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, I started some controversy. You're going to probably add some listeners now. So, um, No, uh, I, on Twitter, I'm at FTC underscore 21. I'm the host of Syria Sit Down on World Football Index. Do check us out. We... Uh, We'll have the usual, uh, you know, ranting about what happened, you know, after match week 37. After match week 38, actually, we will have a team of the season and a flop 11. We will have Mark Neal from Gentleman Ultra joining us for that. Uh, we are looking to do a Juventus dedication pod uh, when they win the Champions League over Real Madrid. Uh, and uh, I also have started a blog, The Calcio Consultant, which you can also find on World Football Index. And definitely check out everything that Frank just mentioned, especially if you're a fan of Serie A at all. Check out the podcast over there. The work they put, the guys put in is just phenomenal. Gav, yourself, where can they find you? What are you doing? Any podcasts out at the moment? Yeah, you can find me at Sound of La Liga or you can find me at The Real Ronaldo Fan Club. <laughs> again, again, not my words. Not my words. You, I borrowed done, those words. You've done it now, Frank. There's no going back. You're not getting to go back. Can I, Gavin, can I still call on you for La Liga tips? No. Let's make up before we end. Come on. They're not my no. words. I apologize for using them. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, we'll leave Gavin alone. For myself, you can follow me at AliThompson84 on Twitter. Check out all our previous shows on 11 Pieces of Meat and all shows on World Football Index. And any Liverpool fans out there, just check out the latest Copcast edition that was just out today, I believe. Once again, Frank, Frank, thanks for joining me. Oh, anytime, guys. See you again next week, buddy.